Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Dr. Roger Hall is the author of Staying Happy and Being Productive, The Big Ten Things Successful People Do and Expedition. He is a business psychologist with clients all over the country, and he trains leaders to monitor and manage their thinking. Roger knows great leaders work on themselves first and then success in their companies follow. Better thinking leads to better behavior, which leads to better results. Roger has worked with little companies with only a few people all the way up to big behemoths that dominate their industry. He likes working with people who want to become the very best version of themselves. And the exciting thing for our listeners today is we're going to talk about the role of marketing in managing fear and curing paralysis during a crisis. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite, Roger. Thank you, Lori. I'm grateful to be here today. Well, I, you know, I know as our audience was, um, you know, listening to the bio, they're thinking, okay, this is a marketing show, Lori. This is a marketing show. Where are you going to take us? And baboom, we know exactly where we're going to go. And I love this concept because so much of what marketing does is psychology based, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The uh, John Watson uh, is considered to be the father of modern advertising, and he used to be a professor of psychology. Yeah, there's some great, great um, insight there regarding, we talk about it a lot at Avocet and really, you know, what is the emotional epiphany, right? What is that aha moment? And that is all psychology based when we're delivering a message or an image, or we combine the two to create an action, it is based on that insight. And we're going to take a lot of those insights tonight. We're going to actually um, underlay them with crisis. Uh, we've all, you know, we're coming out of, of COVID, which is a great, great thing. But the psychology behind COVID and its effect on marketing was profound. And we're going to dive into some of that and provide you some tips on ultimately what you can do to make sure that your messaging, your message, your creative, whatever it is from an owned and shared and paid approach um, has the right psychology behind it to create an impetus ultimately for an action. Before we get there, tell us a little bit more about yourself and um, what really interests you about pulling in psychology as a piece of marketing. Yeah, uh, thank you, Lori. I am a, a business psychologist. I do executive coaching, leadership development, and some public speaking. I have been, I, I got into psychology really by accident. I was interested in attitude change and persuasion and started out as a communication undergrad and then got a double major in communication and psychology and then spent time in my graduate school work uh, looking at attitude and persuasion. So I, I'm in the business of persuasion and attitude. I, I think marketing is just another manifestation of the stuff I've always been interested in. You know, do you think, you know, just reflecting, you know, on the last many, many months, do you think marketers are better today from the standpoint of understanding the psychological impetus with their audience than they were pre-COVID? You know, I, I guess that would depend on the marketer. It's quite a loaded question. It, but... It's kind of a loaded <laughs> question. I mean, I, 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 I hate to, to make a broad stereotype about a whole class of people. 
Um, it re- I think it really depends on how people have dealt with this crisis. Some people have probably withdrawn and not made themselves better, and others have sought out ways to make themselves better and understand their audience better. Right. And I think whenever you operate from a place of fear, you either go into it with a lot of strength and really analyzing uh, what we need to as marketers uh, from a psychological standpoint and providing the right message, or ultimately you get paralysis, right? Um, You just can't operate the way that you need to. Yeah, I think most companies who either have a marketing team or a great agency such as Avocet working for them can really help walk brands through that. But if you're a small brand and, and you're an entrepreneurial startup, it could have been um, probably a little bit more difficult for you to ultimately manage um, expectations regarding messaging. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, I, I'm I'm actually a bigger fan of fear than most people. Um, I I actually believe fear is the single most important emotion to keeping us alive. But I make I make some pretty significant distinctions between fear and anxiety. Uh, fear is always present tense. Worry, some people call anxiety, they're, they're a little bit synonymous. Worry is always future tense. So fear gives us um, one of three reactions, fight, flight, or freeze, all of which are adaptive. You know, if, if, um, if I see a rattlesnake, uh, I can kill it, that's fight. I can run away from it, that's flight. Or I can stand still and it'll slither away because rattlesnakes have a very short attention span. So all of which are adaptive in fear. But what we've been dealing with in most of our lives, most of us don't have to interact with rattlesnakes. What we're dealing with is worry, which is anticipatory fear. And right. we'll, we'll spend our time looping over and over again the things we're worried about in the future. And so there's no immediate reaction. So I use, I I interchange some words. So, so fight, you could say is when you engage with the problem. Um, Flight is when you escape from the problem and freeze is when you collapse uh, under the problem and collapsing or doing nothing is the kind of paralysis that some people will respond with. And and that's not been productive. Yeah, I totally agree. And as you've said, there's good fear and and bad fear. Um, you know, I think the fear of COVID uh, made marketers stronger. It made business leaders more savvy. Uh, it created a whole new level level of leadership, rather that psychologically led people, you know, down paths that ultimately really, really helped them out. I agree. I, I think I, I believe a lot of PQ which is a great training program in how you take fear, which may be on the saboteur or left brain side, and you ultimately bring it into the sage. And as you've said, um, you know, that fear can save your life in those situations, which becomes very important, hence the rattlesnake uh, example. And um, it's the psychology of ultimately how we as marketers and from a messaging standpoint, from a creative standpoint, move um, that initial insight, that initial gut reaction to a decision-making process that hopefully um, helps a brand succeed, you know, whether it be through branding, um, 
awareness or an increase in sales. And, and that is really where we're going to hang our hats today. But making sure as a part of that process that the buyer does not shut down is a very, very important aspect. Um, what, from a psychological standpoint, makes people shut down when they interact with a brand for the first time, or if they've interacted with them 20 times, uh, it can happen either way. Well, on the first variable, it, it's too much information. In his book, um, How We Decide, Jonah Lehrer talks about a, a study in, in, in your business, I'm sure you know about it, uh, of people uh, doing jelly tasting in the grocery store. And when they gave them 15 choices, they tasted a lot of the jellies, but they never bought any. But when they gave them three or four choices, they tasted just as many jellies um, as they did when there were 15 choices, but they were far more likely to act on it. And what we find is that when people have too many decisions, when, when they're presented with too many decisions, they collapse under the weight and choose not to decide. I mean, I think we've all had the experience when we've been in uh, the big box hardware store on the paint aisle, and we see all of those giant display of, of paint colors, and it's overwhelming. I had right. a, a guy, I had a guy paint my house once and he fanned out all those colors and said, what color do you want? The rooms of your house. They said, pick three of the most popular colors. And he says, you don't want me to do that. I said, I absolutely want you to do that. Right. Um, and I was able to make a decision. Otherwise, I wouldn't have decided and I probably might have delayed on, on having him paint my house. Well, and, and to your point, the, the buyer uh, becomes paralyzed, Right. Yep. So getting them unparalyzed is exactly and providing them very, very specific reasons to buy or uh, choices um, ultimately helps move them through uh, what we refer to as a marketing or, or sales funnel. What specifically should marketers stop doing to help a buyer through the funnel? I, I would stop giving them so many choices. I, you know, I'm a big believer in the freedom of choice, but I... I, I do get concerned that people will get paralyzed if they have too many choices. Back in the day, uh, the department store Sears used to have good, better, and best. And you could right. choose whichever one you wanted, but there weren't 14 levels of quality. There were just three. So as, as a marketeer, helping people decide between a few things, you, you're certainly going to get a lot more traction and a lot more action if you limit the, the number of choices they have. And, and choice is an important thing. And then, of course, um, the creative impact is another, which is really awareness or top of funnel. Choice becomes mid-funnel, right? And from an awareness standpoint, we as marketers really need to strengthen the approach that we take to differentiate ourselves, not only from our direct competition, but all advertisers out there. And whether it be through humor or um, you know, direct interaction, um, you know, that really entices someone. You know, they feel that they're a part of the scene that we are marketing to. You know, all sorts of different emotion, quite frankly, really helps um, with any sort of marketing message. But when we can bring them into that, they become more aligned with the brand. They feel that they are influenced by it in a very proactive way because they're either laughing or. They're crying in some situations, um, or they just feel plain good about what they're feeling at that at that moment in time. That is is how we move people through the funnel to want to be able to learn more and have choice. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I think one of the things that we've learned in the last 20 years is how irrational human beings are and how much our emotions are um, the, the power that makes us move. And, and rationality guides that emotion, uh, but it certainly doesn't have the same power as the emotion. Yeah, um, I agree. One, one of the other techniques uh, that's just that one of the researchers has described is pairing something new with something familiar. And uh, this, the story goes that the, the song Hey Ya by Outkast was initially listened to by listeners and, and they didn't like it. But as it was paired on, on radio stations with a familiar song in front of it and a familiar song behind it, it started to gain groundswell. And it's, it's an object lesson for us as we're trying to introduce something new to make sure we pair it with things that people are already familiar with. Yeah, and that familiarity breeds trust, right? Absolutely. And, um, and that trust ultimately uh, creates repeat business. Well, if, if we look at the consumer side, we've got a first timer, a switcher, and a loyalist. Um, and that familiarity breeds trust, repeat business, you know, referrals, so on and so forth. From a B2B standpoint, if we're just looking at moving people through the funnel, um, you know, when they, they see the additional images or they see a review of someone that's purchased a product, they're going to, you know, we're going to have an acquisition um, uh, piece happen, but then they will move through the funnel with referral and loyalty as well. And that is where... Um, I think a lot of this uh, gets lost and people forget about the importance of the psychology in moving uh, people and prospects through the funnel. What is one of the biggest hangups that you see um, marketers not delivering correctly that they could do, you know, and, and just turn their marketing effort um, into a very proactive, positive way if they, if they just stopped doing what it is that they're doing? I guess it would be um, making sure you know your audience. Um, I, I see lots of marketing campaigns that are are focused on what what the what the marketing company or the the um, uh, the consumer brand company thinks is important, and and kind of a, not really paying attention to what's important to to the audience. So right. it's very easy for people in the creative space to um, to start to think this feature is really, really cool. Let's play that up when the consumer couldn't care less. And so I think it's important to, to make sure that you understand the consumer before you start marketing. I think that's great. And it's really people first or people focused uh, approach versus what the product does. It's all about what it does and how it benefits um, the buyer. Yeah, and, and and sometimes we can be our uh, we can be our own worst enemy. We can be so sure of of what our customer or audience is interested in that we don't ever ask them and we don't ever find out. And so so we start pitching to them the things that we think are important. So one of the concepts that I love uh, in your book is how you quote unquote soothe an audience. And I visually think about that, um, you know, as how we move people through again. The marketing funnel. Explain that concept to us. Yeah, um, very often people, if if they're in that state of fear and they they can't see a solution, they get paralyzed, and so they won't decide. You'll have 
you know, if you if you ever have a customer or client who you'd like to have them make a decision and they just can't seem to and, and they never get back to you and they avoid your phone calls, what it may be is that they don't see a productive way out. They feel trapped. And one way to help them is to reduce their anxiety. And human beings are very, very responsive to interpersonal cues of soothing. And in human beings, it's possible to be flooded. Too much adrenaline turns off the part of your brain that makes the decision. And honey talk, and this is, this is work by John Gottman, um, giving people soothing conversation, kind of the way you'd talk to a child who's hurt or someone that you love, that, that honey talk actually calms their brain down and then they're able to come back online and make decisions. Yeah, I think that's absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, it's just the way that we, we as leaders talk with our team members as well. It's the way um, that we interact with our families. So why not take that concept and make sure um, that when we are developing, you know, a people first strategy, um, that we are also um, having that more conversational mindset um, with what it is that we're marketing and the audience that we're marketing to. That's how we create um, affinity, right? And it's really, you know, in, in, the, in, in the marketing world, it's really priming the audience to be ready uh, for what it is uh, or the reason they should buy. Well, yeah. And, and I think so many of the reasons that we buy are unrelated to the products and features, but how we feel uh, with with the person who's who's telling us about it, and so if if you're creating something for for a customer or a client, your interpersonal skills, you know, your emotional intelligence, your ability to sue that person, will go almost as far as the content of of your work. And so it's it's very important to realize that how we interact with other people is as important as the skills that we bring. Right. And, and it's interesting when we talk about positioning um, and really soothing an audience that there is all sorts of different approaches from a tonality standpoint um, that really help position products in the mindset of an audience, right? I mean, there's certainly, you know, authority um, sort of positioning. There's price sensitivity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's urgency and, and scarcity. Um, there's exclusivity. So when you are taking a look at the psychology behind your brand, make sure that you're ultimately taking a look at what the competition is doing, what the psychology is between or behind their brand so that you can differentiate. Social proof, another example, when, when they see person A buying a product, it's a proof point that they're buying it, I should buy it too. There are all of these um, sorts of approaches that ultimately become um, a, you know, a great, great platform for brands to be able to launch into this people-first uh, mentality. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're referring to lots of the, the work that's summarized by uh, Robert Cialdini in his book, Influence. Right. And, and um, you know, his, his new book, Presuasion, is definitely worth a read as well. So many of his concepts are applicable to marketing and business. And he, he actually wrote it as a text. It was one of my early psychology texts back in the 80s. I love it. You know, something that I think is really dif difficult is ultimately 
getting a buyer to change a habit um, that they have really built, that they're already engaged with. Um, and that's where we, you know, that's where I mentioned it earlier, a switcher mindset comes into play. How can we switch a prospect or a consumer from brand A to brand B? And that is where a lot of the science comes into play as well. Give us some examples um, that you've seen in the market on how ultimately we can get people to change these habits to move into a new product area. Yeah, habits are remarkably difficult to change. And, and you know, anyone who tells you that you can, you can um, uh, change a habit in six weeks is lying to you. Uh, <laughs> our, our brains take longer to prune back the neurons that have been carrying that habit and grow new neurons. Um, so some of the, you know, my favorite way is called stimulus control, which is how do you make it stupid easy so that the person can't help but do the right thing? And it, it involves changing the environment in, in small and subtle ways so that they're far more likely to engage in the new habit. For example, exercise. Lots of people hate to exercise. And um, I read an interview with a professional cyclist and they were asking him how his legs got so huge. And he says, well, it's because I love to watch TV. I watch about four or five hours of TV a day, which doesn't seem to go together until you find out he changed the environment of his living room so that there were two things in his living room, the television and a stationary bike. Ah, I love it. Which, which means that he was biking for four to five hours a day. And so if we want to change habits, sometimes it, it means changing the structure of what's around us and um, in encouraging people to change their physical environment to do that. The second is to set up novel reminders. And novel reminders are sounds, noises, uh, sights, that come in, into our mind that don't require us to act on them, but we associate with something new. And so if, if you can associate the sound of a foghorn or the sound of a helicopter uh, with a, a new mental habit that you'd like to, to adopt, you can change in a relatively short period of time that habit by associating it with a light or a sound that doesn't like that doesn't require any activity on your own. So it can't be a phone because then you have to answer it. Right. But if, if something comes into your awareness and you hear the helicopter and you say, okay, that's to remind me to, you know, spin up my activity or, or something like that, then, then you can start to change that way. And the last way that I like to encourage people is what I call irritating reminders. And I've heard this a number of times that if you want to change how you, interact with people, put 10 pennies in your right pocket. And every time you compliment somebody, move it from your right pocket to your left pocket. Well, those 10 pennies in your right pocket are an irritating reminder. And when they move to your left pocket, uh, it's another irritating reminder that you're doing the right thing. So set up some sort of system so that you're constantly being reminded to do the right thing by something that's outside of your norm that makes you do something different. I love that. Um, it's just so basic, right? But it it ultimately really helps you helps you. Well, it's a it's a great reminder of ultimately um, how you can make that impact. 
What is uh, an example in your mind uh, regarding a brand right now that is really deploying great psychology in marketing? You know, I, I, I kind of uh, spend my time looking at the outdoor space. And um, I, I think uh, if you, well, let's look at Sony and their cameras. Mm. Um, they're doing a great job of creating a look and feel for what they're doing and and they're associating themselves with outdoor adventure and extreme things and, and right. that's appealing to a lot of people and so there there was a recent uh a recent shoot for the sony alpha that was up in alaska and uh down in um i believe the caribbean and, and they they blended four or five different uh settings together and so people people get they, they look at those and those are ideas and images that are appealing to them and the world that they'd like to live in. And so every time they see someone doing outdoor adventure stuff, and if they're on Instagram, it only takes five minutes to find that, um, they start thinking about Sony. So I think they've done a great right. job connecting their brand with that, that world. It's uh, really that just imagine technique, right? It's imagining yourself in that situation mm -hmm. um, that really creates... Uh, that affinity and the story, you know, telling powers behind it, ultimately, it, it creates that aha moment. And that, hmm, I, I want to be there. I'm going to need this product to help me get there because I just feel better about it. Such great insights that you're sharing with us today. What are some key takeaways um, that marketers listening today should deploy tomorrow in, with their marketing team uh, to make sure that they have the right message with their audience? Well, first is to study your audience to make sure that you know what your audience wants, not just what you think that they should want. The second is uh, if you want them to adopt new habits, it will take them a long time and lots and lots of lots of lots of lots and lots of touches with your message because it'll take time for your message to become familiar with them. Uh, and maybe the most important thing is don't flood them with too many choices that will shut them down and make them resistant to taking action. Well, you said it, Roger Hall, at the end of the day, it's all about attitude, change and persuasion. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible insights today on the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Thank you for having me. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.